Hey, I'm Matt Hudgens and he's Dave Mulvaney and this is Profitability MD. Dave, how you doing today, buddy? Matt, doing fantastic. January 15th, it's a good time of year. <laughs> well, we get a bunch of rain, so I'm already depressed. So I'm getting the winter doldrums, you know, whatever, a couple days, a couple weeks in. Come spend some time in Florida and that's sunny. Sunny Florida, I know it's ridiculous. It's like 75 and sunny all the time. What do you like, San Diego or something? Ridiculous. It is. Um, it's San Diego without all the uh, liberals. So. <laughs> all right, all right. All right, so we're at episode 56, and we're going to have several of these kind of talks. We, uh, but let's just call this one, How to Sell Your Business for the Best Price. How to Sell Your Business for the Best Price. You and I do a lot of coaching that helps people increase the value of their business uh, so they can sell it for the best price. Uh, exit planning is another word for it. Built to sell is another word I like to sell, uh, used, like to use. And these are all valuable information. Even if you're not going to sell your business, you, you eventually we're all going to sell our business. It's like, you know, death and taxes, two things that are certain. You are going to leave your business at one point. It's going to be, you're going to die in the chair or you're going to sell it. But there's, there's, there are two options, right? And yes. then, yeah, and, and it's for certain. So it's really funny. We've talked about some of these stats before. It's like, 75% of business owners would sell their business today if it was if they can get the best price and they have enough money on the sidelines, right? To, to yes. be done. And uh, you know what? What's funny is, uh, so you say, uh, basically, you're going to either die or sell your business before you die. And, yep. and what, we could probably put an asterisk there. You could have a major life event that could mean a spouse gets sick, you get sick, right? Uh, you know, a, a parent, all these various things. And so sickness, we could associate with death. Um, because if you have a stroke, and you run your business, and well, all of a sudden, no one else can do your job, well, you're going to be sold at a fire sale. So yeah, and, and we see this all the time in the dentist industry, where you'll have a dentist pass away and the wife is left to sell the practice. And there's a huge difference in the value of that dental practice if the, if the dentist was prepared to sell it. So again, I call it built to sell. Mm -hmm. And especially, and, and we suggest this to all the business owners, is have, uh, how do I say it? It's not a valuation, but have things organized every year. You know, you get ready for your taxes. That's a great time to get ready for, you know, here's kind of the, not the value of my business, but the organization of my business and where it is today. So we see, and I've just, this just happened last month in, in December where uh, Dennis passed away. The guy was not prepared. So the wife had to sell it for basically 50% of the value. Right. And it was probably 50% of the assets, right? I mean, it would be, be Yeah. The dentist sell for 67% of revenue. It's kind of a revenue multiple number. And because of that, she only sold for about 35% of the revenue because we don't know if they're going to stick around because there was no contingency plan versus when we see a dentist who's got his stuff organized, even if he passes away, you know, we've got all the materials. We're ready to go. You can sell that for the, for the maximum price because it's all organized and ready to go. So let's pause and talk about that. How, I mean, cause that's what we're talking about how to sell a business for the best price. And so, you know, you're a dentist and, and I like, I'm going to give you a quick example that's not a dentist, but it's veterinarians. So sure. my cousin here in Jacksonville, my cousin Russ, um, it, he just bought a series of veterinarian clinics. Okay. 
and all the veterinarians are looking at him going, wait, you're not a veterinarian. He's like, that's the point. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so I can hire veterinarians. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm using that as an example. If you're a dentist and you're looking at it as, okay, I work on people's teeth. I work on people's teeth. Um, your product is helping people fix their teeth, cleanings and things like your product is and you've got to look at it from a business standpoint, much like attorneys, what do attorneys do? They say, I need more attorneys in my office so that I can maximize my hours, if you will, because I can only work so many hours. So to maximize um, the value of my business, I need more attorneys. And so if you're a dentist, you might think of it the same way. In order for me to grow as a as a business, not as a dentist, you got to you got to separate the two to grow as a business. I need to consider how I could bring on another dentist, or how another dentist could step into my shoes without all my customers leaving because they're so married to me. Right, exactly. I, I my joke is you need to have your business so well organized that an idiot like me can take over and step in and run it. That's how you got to view it. That there's got to be somebody that can step into your place and take over seamlessly. And I wasn't nodding my head at the idiot uh, like you part. I was <laughs> agreeing with you that someone should be able to step in. So. Right, right. And, th and that goes back into you and I was talking about this. Business is a system. Business is a system of process that can be learned. And you talk about your cousin that's, that's the veterinarian. And we've talked about this before. What, the three key elements of any business are going to be uh, what I call attract. You got to get new clients. So you got to get new leads. And you got to convert. You got to have... Um, deliver the value of your veterinarian. You got a service. If you're a dentist, you got a service. You're an HVAC contractor. You've got a service. You're a remodel. You got a service. And then what I call in order to scale and um, get referrals from existing clients, from past clients, I, I call that scale and service, maintain contact, right? Those are the three elements of a successful business. No matter if you're a dentist or a veterinarian or an HVAC contractor, what most people think of is just that middle section, delivering the service. I'm an HVAC guy. I'm a, um, uh, a veterinarian. The value of your business, here's the other thing people always say. People always think that someone's going to come along and offer me $10 million to buy my business. Okay. And that's not how it works. There's no magic number. Uh, they are going to pay you today what your business will generate in cash flow tomorrow. In other words, there's not just somebody who says, Hey, Dave, I'm going to give you 10 million bucks. What somebody is doing is saying, I'm going to pay you, Dave, today three to five times whatever your business is producing in cash flow, right? That's a typical private equity deal, uh, private deals, three to five times cash flow. It That's be if you're in the five to 10, five to $25 million range. Um, no, no, it's, it, that, that's mostly for, uh, well, most businesses, other businesses are exceptions, right? So we talked about dentists sell at 67% of revenue. You can back into that. That's only about a one and a half, two times. Um, uh, CPA firms sell at 1.1 times revenue, which backs into being about, uh, actually not a very bad number, 30, well, that's three times cash flow pretty much, because uh, they, they're about 35% profit margins. But in general, if you just said, most businesses are three to five times cash flow. Um, and what that means is, I want to be able to pay you back, pay myself back in three years. Hey Dave, I'm gonna pay you a million bucks. Well, in order to do that, your business needs to be producing $200,000, so that'd be five years I could pay you back. And now I'm free and clear, or that's a 20% return by the way, or they'll say private equity wants 
uh, 30, 33%, which is three years. So I'll pay you a million bucks, but your, your business better be generating $333,000. In profit. Right? It's important yeah, to say in profit. profit. Exactly right. And cash flow that I can use to pay you back. So there's no magic 10. Even if your business is worth 10 million bucks, they're not producing 10 million bucks. They're going to use that 10 million bucks from the cash flow your business is generating. And let's pause on that thing, that thought process for a minute. And so you might be thinking, I'm the owner. Let's say you're the owner and making $150,000 a year. And you yep. think, well, we're making 300, uh, just we'll use 350,000 for the number. We're making 350,000 a year. So technically we're making 350 plus my 150. That should be 500. My business should be worth 1.5. And that's not the case. If somebody's buying your business, they're looking at your salary. And they're saying, I want to put someone in those shoes. That's yep. the difference between somebody who works for a business and somebody who buys a business. The person who buys it, if unless it's a sole proprietor, like they, they're a dentist like you, they're, right. they they want to buy the business and say, who can I put in that spot and make them do that work? Not make them, but and pay them to do the work so I can get my money back in three years. Well, and here and here's a great analogy talked about would be so not only it's pretty much what the owner makes both his salary and his profit share but like you said if I had to replace him so we've had this before like a subway franchise just to use subway as an example if I want to own or operate that franchise and work in the subway me I'm going to work 40 hours a week in the subway I can make a hundred grand a hundred and twenty five hundred thirty five grand right but if I'm an investor and I want to buy a subway, I'm going to have to pay a manager to be in there somewhere 50 to 70 grand. Right. So I'm really only going to make the, the rule of thumb is you're making $50,000 per store. Yeah. So I'm going to own three subways. I'm going to make 50,000 per store, but I got a manager in every store. Right. So that's how you have to. So then that value of that business is only three to five times that 50,000 that I'm making as the owner uh, non-operator. Right. Yeah. Because I had to put somebody in that place. Right. So if you want, we have this all the time in financial services. So in financial services, what happens is the same kind of numbers, three to five times cash flow. We, there's a revenue number, two to two to two and a half times revenue. Multiple expands, the bigger you are, a billion dollar shop sales at, at nine times cash flow, 500 million or above or below sells at three to five. Anyway, my point being is if I want to stay on and work for the business as a consultant for three years, they're not paying you on that cash flow. Right, they're only paying you on the cash flow that doesn't include your salary. Right, so so let's say that example you're making three hundred thousand dollars, you think you're going to sell it for a million bucks, you know, three times the cash flow. Right, but if you decide you want to work and be a consultant for a hundred thousand a year, they're no longer paying you a million dollars, they're only going to pay you three times that two hundred thousand dollars because you're keeping Dave a hundred thousand in salary. In that now, here's here's where the here's where you can really maximize because that's what we're talking about how to sell your business, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So um, let's say you're 20 years from retirement right now. So let, let's just say you're 35 years old and you want to retire when you're 55. Well, my recommendation would be um, somewhere in the next five years, acquire a building or real estate asset for your business because you can put it, do a 15 year mortgage and then 15 years from now, which is, again, acquire it in the next 15 years and then, you, and then you're going to have it paid off by the time it's time to sell. Well, let's say that asset now is worth a million and then you got the 300 and you might've paid 400,000 for it 15 years ago. So now you're putting yourself in that, that $2 million range instead of a million dollars. 
instead of just paying a, a rent for you know 15 or 20 years you now acquired an asset that um, doesn't have to be sold with the business as you know many many people will keep that asset and then lease it to the new owner that's another right. well, we had it's funny you say that so so I, I totally agree with that if you can buy the building that's one of our four pillar pillars that we talked about before four pillars of building wealth we actually had an example of that a barbecue shop here in Atlanta and had four locations uh, the real estate was worth more than the barbecue business. And this was a, everybody knew this barbecue place. But yep. even after all that, the value of the business was only so much, the real estate was worth more than the business itself. And because of that, he actually held on to two of the pieces of property, sold to and used the cash flow from the other two to basically pay his living expenses. Then he sold the property another three or four years later. Well, remember, McDonald's was a broke corporation until they decided that they were in the real estate business that they weren't in the food business. Yeah, we did. All right, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting distracted. Okay, so we are go back to maximizing the value of your business, how to sell your business for the best price. And you got to think of it, the long way to say that is, you got to, uh, how much would you pay for the business if you had to buy it, right? And, and the idea is uh, you need systems and processes in place so that you can be replaceable. So that's, let's, let's start on, let's talk about systems and processes for a minute because Ultimately, that is what they're buying. That is what your business is. You take a widget. I don't care if it's teeth right. or air conditioning or whatever. What um, You take this product or service and you turn it into cash. That's your business. The way in which you do that, if there's a itemized process, we do this first, we do this next, we do this, and every person that you hire can plug into that process, the value of your business goes up exponentially, the Absolutely. better and clearer those processes are. Because if you die and your wife can walk in tomorrow um, and go, oh, this is what this is what Matt did every day. It's all it's all spelled out. So I don't so um, all I have to do is get someone who can like follow this roadmap. And if you're lucky, maybe sometimes those people are already inside the company. That does happen. Right. Um, because you don't want to sell at the fire sale. Um, no, many no, exactly. times, I, it's so sad that so many spouses are faced with this, um, this fire sale of, all right, my husband died. And all of these people, you know, the 25 employees, they're all in limbo because they don't know if the business is going to survive now. You don't want that when you die. No, no. But I'm, you know, when you go back to, it's, it's really a lot of common sense, almost like a checklist, right? So would you want to buy a company that was growing, stagnant, or shrinking, right? I kind of view it as a plus, uh, a flat line, or a minus. So if I'm looking at your business, and if it's growing, you'd get a plus, right? If it's shrinking, you get a minus sign. If it's stagnant, you get kind of just a, a flat piece, right? Then I'd look at, okay, what are your profit margins? What are they as percentage-wise? Are you 35%, 40%, 50%? What are your profit margins? So how does that compare to the industry? How does that compare to your past? Is your profit margin increasing or decreasing, right? If I was looking back at your sales, so, so that matters to me, right? Is your profit margin uh, industry average, below average, above average? You get a plus sign or a minus sign on that. Um, is it growing or shrinking from where it was before, right? Because Profit margins, competition, oh my gosh, it's just the beginning of the end because your profits are shrinking, right? Um, but these are also common things. You would know this as a business owner, you'd be like, gosh, I'm working twice as hard to make half as much money, right? 
You know that. You know that as a business owner. Would you buy that business, right? Concentration of, uh, of revenue. So, you know, 80% of the revenue is in one big client. That's, is that more valuable or less valuable? That's extremely less, less valuable if it's all one client. If it's all one client and you lose that client, the business goes to nothing. If your business isn't unique, um, you know, there's nothing, nothing, there's a lot of competition in your business and um, you're not that differentiated from your competition, which is going to show up in your profit margin. That's why almost all businesses are acquired based upon profits because they know if you're in a, if you're in an exclusive niche and you're running a 75% uh, profit on sales, well, people, their ears are going to perk up and go, wow, what do they do? And if it's a big marketplace, it makes, that's where earnings can really uh, give you the best price because the higher your profit margin is, the, basically the higher the value to investors. Right, right. So some other things to checkpoint, we talk about, um, Predictability, right? So are you just selling a widget or is this a recurring revenue model? What is more valuable? A recurring revenue model is more valuable, right? So if you're a landscape company and 80% of your business is recurring revenue, like I'm doing the weekly for this apartment complex or weekly for these residential, that's much more value than I'm a landscaper who does the landscaping at an initial install of a, of a neighborhood, right? That's a transaction and I'm done as opposed to recurring revenue of weekly, uh, weekly client clientele, right? So I think of two organizations right now. See, because there's, and I know you deal with this, Matt, because you're in the financial services world. You'll have people who say, yeah, but I'm the business. And I'm going to use two examples of people who actually their name was on the company. Okay, Zig Ziglar um, and uh, Dan... Uh, uh, Dan Kennedy, sorry, Zig Ziglar and Dan Kennedy, both of them, their name is on the company. Both of their companies are still running. Zig has been dead. Dan is in hospice from what I understand. Both of those companies are still running. Why? Because of what we're talking about right here, setting up these systems before they're needed. And it doesn't matter whose name is on the, on the business. My next door neighbor, um, uh, is, is a 60 year old company, but he bought it about 20 years ago with the woman's name on the business. Right. Right. Um, so you can sell a business, even if it's, uh, Matthew Hutchins, LLC can be sold to someone else provided the systems and processes are there. And, um, but here's the, the, the one thing about how to sell your business for the best price. Um, is not having to sell your business. If you have all this in place, guess what? <laughs> and you're receiving income because you have other people running it, you don't always have to sell. That's probably how to sell your business for the best price is when you don't need to sell it, right? That's that is exactly right. I always talk about build it to sell, even if you don't plan on selling it, right? Because a lot of the things that we coaches are going to be build it to sell it. So we could get the maximum value if we wanted to. But if I'm only doing my A plus activities, why would I want to sell it? An example I can use would be one of my bosses that I worked for, where he took off. He only worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He went to the mountains, you know, Friday through Monday, um, because me and the rest of the staff were running the business for him. And he came in and worked Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and everything else was handled the rest of the week. So he had built it to sell it, and then he didn't want to sell it because he was enjoying the fruits of his labor. Good for him. 
right? That's yeah. the ideal of how you would like to build your business. If you're only doing the stuff you want to do, feels like fun, right? Uh, doesn't feel like work, right? Um, and then you have the systems and processes in place. Growth is a big deal. So are the new clients coming from you? Are you the guy closing all the deals? Or is there a sales funnel, a sales process, a sales system where we call that institutionalized sale versus individualized sale, right? One of my, one of my bullet points is um, it, to get the best price, you have to have a system that attracts new clients and then nurtures existing clients. And, and that's part of a system again. And, and here's the thing I want to say, you know, in this episode is that simply, if you're listening or watching this, don't get overwhelmed if you are very far from this. I mean, you can actually put this together in a series of months and it doesn't have to take you 20 hours a week. Uh, but it does take a time commitment. It does take an active uh, focus on making it happen. But you know, you do it one step at a time. Okay, what happens in operations? My wife and I just went through this in one of our businesses. What happens in when that product comes in the warehouse? I want to document everything coming in and out. So we've been carrying our smartphones and that's how we're doing our processes. Um, documenting them to have them turned into text so we can create a booklet that here you go. Yeah, but that's a, yeah, that, that's a great point. Go back to what I said when we started this. Is there three parts to any business? There's attracting new business, right? That's yep. in and of itself. There's the delivering of the service or product that you deliver. And there's the, what I call the scaling and servicing. So instead of being overwhelmed, pick one of those areas. So you're talking about the, the during unit, as Dean Jackson would call it, the, the delivery of the wow experience. You're saying what happens when a product comes in here and how is it handled? I'm working on that with a dentist firm right now. What happens when somebody calls in to set an appointment? literally to what happens when they walk into your office, they go back to the chair, they sit in the chair, they have the procedure done, they walk to the front desk to pay, and then are we setting the appointment before they walk out the door again? I mean, literally, that's, that's the steps of somebody walking into it before they even walk in because it's the phone call, right? That's the processes of, we don't have to do them all today, right? You might just document, you know what we documented last week was what does a proper room setup look like? Right, and what we did was a one pager. Here's all the tools that the dentist likes to have on the tray, and he took a picture of it. This is what I want it to look like. How simple is that? It's a one pager, and now it's in a little folder right inside the door. So even when he has a substitute um, hygienist or an assistant, here's the checklist that says, here are the tools the dentist likes to have on the tray, and on the back side is literally a color photo of Here's what the tray setup looks like. You can't get any easier than that. That's, that's the easy button. And, you know, there is a reason um, that, like, when you call Comcast or AT&T, there's a reason that people are answering the phone in another country. Because they have every possible question that every client has ever asked. Well, maybe not everyone. Right, right, right. They have 99% of them. And when you ask that question they're typing they're looking for the answer the people answering the phone don't know the answer they just know that they can spit something out once you ask the question why because the system is so clear that it's in the computer they go oh what happens when um the, you don't have cable at your house the first thing they ask you is your is your tv plugged in yeah i haven't unplugged it in six years 
Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. I you mean, totally but gotta ask it. it's part of the checklist. It's the checklist. And so that checklist is a pre, um, I guess you'd say it's, it's the way that the one man operation, the one person operation, as they grew, they itemized all of these things and they said, okay, now I can start plugging people in. And eventually I'm not saying you're going to outsource to India, but it, those are always options if your systems are clear enough. Putting a picture on the back of the door for somebody to set up a dental office, that that's brilliant. You could do that if you're a veterinarian. You could do that if you're a look. You, you broke up. You broke up, Matt. Oh, okay. Here we go. Yep. I was saying, here we go. Same thing. Are we back yet? Yep. Yeah, same thing for the vet, right? So you're talking about your cousin bought the vet. This is what he should do to all his vets is – Here's what a, the wow experience looked like. When they call to set up an appointment for any of those offices, what is that? Here's the script we're going to use. When they walk into the uh, veterinarian's office, what does that look like? When they walk back, what does that look like? When they check out, he can systemize that wow experience and do it for all four veterinarian offices. He could do the what does a veterinarian's uh, uh, office setup look like? I'm sorry, the patient room setup yeah. look like. And do the exact same thing. Here's his checklist and the picture. And now he's got it in all four stores, right? All four, right? That's one of the systems, right? So you don't have to be overwhelmed for it. I just, I like to put it in the big three, right? Attract, deliver, and scale and service. Boom. If we want to work on the wow experience, that's delivering it. And what does that look like from soup to nuts? And I, the, the, the scenario I love to use, I've been using a lot lately is Jiffy Lube or Lexus, so when I go to get my oil changed and my Lexus, it's really nice. They greet me by name. They got water and coffee and sodas and Wi-Fi and a place to sit down, whether it be quiet or watch TV. I go to Jiffy Lube for my daughter's car and it's, you know, TV. I can't find the remote. It's on some screaming TV show. The seats are sticky. They got a Coke machine that doesn't work. It's just yuck, right? Do you want your business to be the Jiffy Lube or the Lexus? And, and the opinions of Matt Hutchins in regard to uh, Jiffy Lube is not the opinions of Profitability MD. Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean to pick it. You could be the best Jiffy Lube too. So there's an opportunity to have the wow experience of Jiffy well, that's Lube. That's the point. Those are franchises. And, yeah. and to say something like that, it, it's an indictment on the, the owner of that franchise because the reality is the owner of that franchise should walk into his lobby and, and say, Yes. What's going on? What is the experience is of the probably not on the checklist. Right. I guarantee you, everything out in where they change the oil and all that, all that stuff is itemized perfectly. Yes. Um, they keep a certain amount of fan belts. They keep a certain amount of oil. They keep a certain amount of oil filters. That probably all that stuff is excessively organized. But you know, it's not on the checklist. Apparently, the lobby. Apparently, the not of the one I went to. But correct. That'd be an easy. That'd be an easy wow experience. Um, I wanted to say a couple of other things, clean books. You got to start cleaning up your books. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, you know, you need to use something QuickBooks or some other accounting software. QuickBooks is really easy. Everybody knows and understands that. Um, may or may not need to be audited or reviewed. Uh, typically when you do sell a business, uh, they'll want audited results or at least reviewed results for three years. Um, the average business owner takes 50 to a hundred thousand dollars of, you know, benefits, you know, where I got my cell phone, but that's going through the business, or you might have your car going through the business. That's easy to subcategorize in the books. In other words, your books can be really clean. Then it could be saying, you know, owner's expenses, right? Owner's expenses of the car, owner's expenses of continuing education, right? Because if you make it easy for me, I can back that out and say, yeah, well, we're not going to, the new guy isn't going to have a car and the new guy isn't going to be doing all this $10,000 of continuing education. 
So you got to start cleaning up the books because what they're going to ask for you is your tax return, by the way. And of course, we're always trying to minimize our taxes, right? Of course. So, so you're going to need to show the tax should. return. And you should minimize your taxes. And tax. you should. And then you're going to need to show your books, your QuickBooks, P&L, and they better match. And if they don't match, you better be easy to explain. And it's easy if you have kind of owner's benefits, let's call it. Does that make sense? My point is you got to start cleaning your books up. I believe everybody, I mean, of course, I run accounting software. We use a, a software uh, called Connected Accounting. It's a, a, by a company, Account Tech, just because it interf interfaces with Mac and PC really easy. But the, the point behind it is that's the documents I turn over to my CPA, and then they take it from there. And if you're not, you know, you know I have a rent-to-own business, so I buy real estate and I, I put it in a rent-to-own market. One of the biggest reasons that people can't qualify for a mortgage when they're self-employed is because they don't run their books. Yes, they don't right. run a legit business. So, verify the income. Yeah. If you, if you run your business legitimate, what is it? 50 bucks to have an online service to 50 bucks a month to have uh, QuickBooks online. I you think know, it's like 10 or 15. Yeah. I don't even know what it is. Uh, but um, you know, it, whatever it is, if it's a thousand bucks a year, it's a thousand bucks a year. That's going to increase the value of your business. Not only that, I actually believe having clean books actually helps you pay less in taxes right? because you actually know where the money's going and you can allocate it appropriately and you can expense it appropriately. I see what I actually see is more business owners don't expense things that they could expense. They're like, oh, I didn't know I did that or I thought I was doing that. Right. I actually see the opposite, which is they weren't expensing legitimate business expenses because their books weren't clean and they didn't know. Yep. Right. They, they didn't even know. Oh, I, I thought I was putting that on my business credit card. I guess I was putting it on my personal. Anyway, I know we kind of ran a little long, but this is great. These are, these, this is more than one podcast, right? So we talk about how to sell your business for the best price. You're going to have to build it to sell it. You're going to have to have systems and processes in place. You're going to have to build it. So any idiot like me or Dave can come in there and take it over. Right. And in order to do that, you need checklists, processes, protocols, whatever you want to call them right? Um, but it's also some common sense stuff, right? Are we growing or shrinking? People want to buy a growing business, not a shrinking business. Am I concentrated on one client or not? Are all the new business coming from me? Um, is all the new business coming from one source, right? So yeah. these are kind of the, I call them common sense. They're common sense to me and you because we do this all the time, but they're also common sense if you think about it. If you were looking to buy your business, would you buy your lawn care service today? Right. And cause nobody's going to magically do it. So you want to make it as pretty and as clean. So everybody and their mother wants to buy your, 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 lawn I know of a landscaping company here in Jacksonville right now that's up for sale and they're up for sale for like $10.6 million. They do like, wow. 20, they do like 25 million in gross sales every year. That's a landscaping business. That that's a legitimate but, business. Right? You know, what's the difference between them and the, and the two guys who are cutting lawns? They treated their business like a business. They created systems and processes. They had scalability. They deliver great service undoubtedly. They attract new clients constantly. I mean, they're doing all the things that made them a business versus a, a service. That's the difference. I totally agree. All right, man. Where can we find you? Matt, you can find me at davidmulvaney.com. You can connect with me on LinkedIn at David Mulvaney. And you can find us at profitabilitymd.com. That's where you can find all of our podcasts. And uh, we do this every week. Perfect. All right. I'm over at LinkedIn, Matt Hudgens at LinkedIn. And then uh, 10xprofitblueprint.com is my coaching website.
Good. And uh, if you need help, if you don't get stressed out over this, 88% of businesses don't have this in place, but that's why Matt and I are here to help you put these things in place so you can get the best price when you go to sell your business. Matt, great show. Talk to you. Take care. Yeah.